This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found financial tech in the Guide Rock Capital Management Weekly Market Commentary for the week of July 8th, 2013. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska, and we post the show, including the written commentary, each week out at the AverageGuy.tv. Financial Tech brings you the latest market commentary from the award-winning Andrew Hunt, CFP and president of Guide Rock Capital Management, located right here in Omaha, Nebraska. If you'd like to receive a free copy of the written commentary, which I would recommend that you do, send him an email, and just to put subscribe in the subject line, Send that email to Andrew underscore Hunt at GuideRockCapital.com. And, and again, put subscribe in the subject line. He'll know that you want to get signed up for that. It's fantastic. I get that every Monday, sometimes Tuesdays, but I get that every Monday. You'll want to get that. If you have uh, questions you want to get answered on the show, send us an email again, Andrew underscore Hunt at GuideRockCapital.com. And, of course, you can find us both on Twitter. Andrew is at Andrew D. Hunt, all one word, and I am at Jay Collison. Andrew, great to see you this week. We took last week off, so if you're wondering where the heck did that podcast go, we just didn't do it. It was a holiday here in the United States, and so we appreciate you giving us some leeway. Yes, happy Independence Day. Thanks for bearing with us, guys. And, well, it was the end of a quarter, so I thought, why not do a little end-of-quarter recap today? I'll tell you what, the second quarter offered a level of drama often only found in homes with teenagers. And those of you who have teenagers in your house, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, when an investor realized that their good friend, good old quantitative easing, might have an earlier-than-expected curfew, boy, they threw a hissy fit that resounded through the global markets. The outburst interrupted the trajectory of the S&P 500 index, which actually finished June lower after hitting record highs in May. As stocks fell, yields on the 10-year Treasury bond benchmark hit a 22-month high, which of course means that prices fell. And a strengthening greenback proved attractive to investors, and capital flowed out of emerging markets during the quarter. As interest rates moved higher, the cost of borrowing rose sharply in many emerging countries, as would make sense, and that may impede economic growth, which has slowed already in many developing countries. Economies in emerging Asia, Latin America, and Europe grew by about 4% on average year-on-year uh, year during the first quarter as compared to 6.4% on average during the past decade. But when you're comparing growth rates in developing countries, Places like the European Union, that, that, that comparison is uh, you know, still a pretty attractive growth rate. The EU, of course, has suffered seven consecutive quarters of recession. Uh, it's hard to say that the recovering is going well over there, uh, but experts are hoping because the Spanish economy is contracting at a slower rate, Italian business activity isn't declining as fast as it once did, and the French downturn is uh, is moderating, and you know Germany's driving some some growth, you know, that could all bode well for positive future numbers. You know, and it's a, it's a different story in the United States. By the end, of this, end of the second quarter, economists were predicting that 2014 could prove to be the best year for U.S. economic growth since 2005. That's pretty sweet. The Wall Street Journal's monthly survey found that economists expect gross domestic product to expand at a 2.3% annual pace this year and 2.8% next year. The Federal Reserve edged up 2014 growth forecast to between 3 and 3.5% from a March estimate of 2.9 to 3.4%. 
Uh, and some encouraging economic signs include great housing market vigor. Uh, we've talked about it on this show quite a bit. Experts say that housing market strength is critical to economic performance in the second half of the year. We've seen, secondly, of course, employment gains. Unemployment has dropped from the double digits to 7.6%. Uh, uh, there's still about 2.4 million fewer jobs than there were before the recession, though, and so that's something to watch. And then the, uh, the third piece of <coughs> excuse me, encouraging economic signs is uh, that consumers are confident again. After years of pairing spending and paying down debt, uh, we're starting to see some optimistic feeling out there. Consumer confidence now stands at a five-year high. So while all that uh, optimism about the American economy is good, it's really important to remember world economies are like members of a family. Uh, what happens to one country or region often has a significant influence on what happens to the other. So she can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan as well. From 1960 through 2011, the percentage of households with children under the age of 18 and a mom as the primary or sole breadwinner increased from just 11% in 1960 to 40% in 2011. According to the Pew Research Center report, breadwinner moms fall into two distinct groups either married moms who earn more than their husbands, which is about 37%, and then single mothers, which makes up the other 63%. The earnings gap between the two groups depend, tends to be very large. To quote that, uh, that report, it says, quote, the median total family income of married mothers who earn more than their husbands was nearly $80,000 in 2011, well above the national median of 57100 for all families with children, and nearly four times the $23,000 median for families led by a single mother. Pretty interesting. It's also really interesting to note there's a huge educational gap that's been developing between husbands, husbands and wives. A growing proportion of married women are better educated than their husbands. According to Pew Research, quote, the share of couples in which the mother has attained a higher education than her spouse has gone from 7% in 1960 to 23% in 2011. This really probably shouldn't be a surprise for most of us since more women than men have been receiving college degrees of all types, everything from associates, bachelors, masters, and doctorates, every year since 1982. Uh, so this has been a long time coming. Perceptions about women's roles in both the workplace and the family also appear to be changing. Uh, according to another Pew report, almost three-fourths of American adults say having more women in the workforce has been a change for the better. About 60% say family life is more satisfying when both spouses work and they share the responsibility for housework and childcare. Pretty interesting stuff. We're seeing some huge demographic changes in this country and around the world, so I think it's really important to watch. So here's the quote for the week. Uh, it's from uh, Sir John Templeton, the global investing pioneer. It says, if we become increasingly humble about how little we know, we may be more eager to search. All right, Andrew, always good stuff. I got a question for you, though. You said at the end of the first segment, you said while optimism about the American economy is good news, it's important to remember that world economies are like members of a family, right? What happens to one country or region often has significant influence on what happens in others. That's kind of written as a negative. Could that also be positive? Can the U.S. economy lift the world if we're seeing some positive signs of, of growth here in the United States? Yeah, you know, I think so. Um, I think it's possible. Uh, 
Uh, you know, one of the concerning things that we saw earlier in the year is that we've really seen China's growth, growth rate slow down, and China is such uh, a huge net um, net importer. They, they buy so much stuff, and then they, therefore they also sell so much stuff to us, and we consume a lot of that, that when they start to slow, that's really scary for the world's economies. And you look at our growth rates, uh, they're, you know, hovering in the mid-twos, and even some projections for 2014 to the threes and three and a half. You look at a China, a slowing China GDP growth is in the 8% points. I mean, that's huge, huge growth rates in some of these emerging economies. And so that is troubling uh, because even our kind of slow and steady growth rates um, just isn't nearly as big as some of those companies or some of those countries that are uh, emerging and having new mm -hmm. consumer economies. And so I think we can. Um, it's just harder for our, our economy because. I'm not going to say that uh, you know it's kind of a myth that people think that we don't manufacture anything here in America. That's just not true. We manufacture tons of stuff here in America. It's just super specialized, high technology, uh, and, and very skilled manufacturing now, as opposed to um, kind of the rote textile type manufacturers and things like that we see in emerging economies. So those types of manufacturing jobs can really help spur global economic growth. Um, but it just uh, there's not as the, the same scale and volume as a China or some of the other tiger economies. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch as as um, a labor has gone around the world, so to speak, as far as being outsourced or shipped off our shores. It's there seems to be a little bit of a trend of something of it, some of it coming back. There have been some areas in the United States where the economy has been depressed. I think about the uh, the the um, state of Ohio is in just in a terrible mess right now. Cities like Detroit, where labor costs are actually down enough, and there might be even some incentives for manufacturing to come back to those areas, and where it makes sense to have it here on our soil again. Yeah, and and hopefully that's a trend that we'll see continuing to increase. Even in Omaha, uh, Google recently announced that they're going to build a uh, yet another. Um, data center across the river in, yeah. in Council Bluffs. They're going to spend very a, successful. Yeah, almost uh, more than a billion dollars now. They will have invested here in the Midwest, um, and so that's that's another example of something that ten years ago might have gone overseas, uh, but instead they're 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 starting to find that they can find cheap economies of scales here back in the states. Yeah, it, it's good story, and it's just right in our backyard, which is great for us here in the Omaha Council Bluffs area. One more question for you, Andrew. What's going on with gold these days? I know there was a huge <laughs> run-up on that and maybe not so running up anymore. What's, yeah. what's your take on what's going on there? Well, gold is brutal. Um, yeah, so uh, for a while there, gold was looking like uh, just a brilliant investment, but uh, over the last couple of months, uh, as with all things fixed income and commodities, we've really started to see a pullback there. Um, and here's my investing tip of the day. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys there's three rules to investing. The first rule, <clears throat> buy low, sell high. It's rule number one. Second rule, we want maximum units of return for minimum units of risk every single day of the week. And rule number three, if it sounds too be good to be true, it probably is. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but if the world ends, I want chapstick, water, and uh, ammunition for <laughs> for my <laughs> for my hunting rifle. Uh, I don't really want gold. Uh, so. Yeah. That's that's my piece for today. That's good. Well, it's it's down big time, right? I mean, it's taking yeah. some serious hits over the last. So again, one of those things. Uh, as we say, you know, uh, I always say at the end of the show, be smart about your investing, Andrew. You can help people do that, right? I mean, that's what you do for a living. Yes, only you know, I I always tell people that this business it's uh, it's not a lot of work. It's uh, it's only half days, uh, just just twelve hours a day. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, Andrew, thanks for coming out and uh, and thanks for doing this each week. We'll remind folks if they're new uh, to podcasting and they're looking for a great way to do it automatically. Some of you might uh, be thinking, how do I get these podcasts every single week, or how do I stream them and just n- never even have to download them? Well, Stitcher is a great application to do that. Available on any browser as well as both on the Android and iPhone platforms. It's a great way to listen to podcasts at home and on the road. This show and all the past shows are on Stitcher, stitcher.com. Search financial tech. It's education for your ears. And be sure to visit Guide Rock Capital at guiderockcapital.com. Follow Andrew on Twitter. He's just Andrew D. Hunt. And get all the show notes to this show out at theaverageguy.tv. Now, Andrew and I say thanks for listening. We'll catch up to you next week. Remember, be smart about your investing. GuideRock Capital Management, Inc., or GuideRock, is a registered investment advisor that is registered with the state of Nebraska and located in Omaha, Nebraska. GuideRock and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration requirements imposed upon investment advisors in the states in which they maintain clients. GuideRock may only transact business in those states in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. Important information describing GuideRock's business operations, services, and fees can be viewed on the SEC's website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. GuideRock will provide Form ADV Part 2, which serves as the firm's disclosure document to all clients. Copies of Form ADV Part 2 are also available to interested parties upon request. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No current or prospective clients should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product made reference to directly or indirectly on this video, website, or indirectly via hyperlink or any affiliated third-party website will be profitable or equal to past performance levels.